Hello and welcome. My name's Ben. I'm the CEO of Charlie HR, and this is the Culture Ops Podcast. We're the podcast that's trying to lift the lid on the challenging situations that affect your business and your culture on a daily basis. Let's get into it. So, welcome back to another episode of the Culture Ops Podcast. And uh, a bit of a different tap this week. One of the questions we've been receiving from a lot of you is around how all of us within the business world should be considering and looking out for the uh, mental well-being, emotional well-being of the team members that we've, we've got within our businesses. I think it's pretty fair to say that there's no one out there that's having an easy time of any of this. And, and because of that, we're under greater pressure. There's a bigger onus on us as people leaders within organizations to consider how we should be thinking about the team that we work with and how we're looking after them. So today we're going to try and unpack that. Mental health and the role that it's playing amid this COVID-19 pandemic. And with me to unpack that challenging topic is Robert Rees, clinical psychotherapist. Robert, welcome. Hi, nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, So Robert, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about um, the work that you do and also how you ended up in this career? Yes, sure. So first question, um, how I ended up uh, as a clinical psychotherapist. Um, As I sort of rewind back uh, some years ago, I would say in my early 20s, I had some experience of sitting with a therapist as a a client, as someone who was in in need of of support. Um, I had had a um, a series of experiences in life, one which included a um, my parents divorced, and I remember sitting there in front of a, a therapist, thinking, "What a what an amazing job it would be to sit in that chair and and work with people on these sorts of very real and frankly quite scary life issues." And look, that stayed with me for a long time. Um, and I was I was working in the city. Uh, had a really uh, pressurized job, leading a team of uh, twenty to thirty people um, across three locations, um, and it was stressful. It was really stressful, and a, a health crisis of my own in my late thirties. Uh, I was diagnosed with a, a neurological condition, stopped me in my tracks, and it, it made me think very hard about what I wanted um, from my life in terms of purpose, really. Um, so in that moment, I decided that I wanted to uh, retrain and that memory of sitting in front of a, a therapist um, came back to me and I thought, well, let's go for it. Uh, and so I did, and, and that was um, that was six years of, of training, um, uh, one of the people that I trained with once described it as like turning yourself inside out. Uh, and I would, when I'm this end of that experience, I can wholeheartedly agree. So the natural place for me to go with 
a combination of leadership and sort of a psych psychotherapeutic qualification was to work with with businesses um, and allied to a, um, a practice where I work individually and with couples, um, I do quite a lot of organizational work as well. Um, so that's kind of how it started for me. Um, and the people that I work with now are, are varied um, and frankly, nearly always an absolute joy to work with, uh, to journey with someone as they go through a, a struggle and you know, you obviously align your hopes that they'll um, grow and learn from difficulties that they face. Um, so that's a, a little bit from me there, Ben. Yeah, perfect. That's that's really helpful. And and, and as you say, that's really interesting that there's, I guess, these these two two elements in your career history where you've experienced, I guess, it from it from both sides. And that probably means that you're more able to support businesses and leaders within businesses to to sort of understand the challenges that. That maybe they're facing, and I think that you know the topic of what role does therapy play within the modern workplace is a really interesting one. And you know, as I said to you the last time we spoke, you know, I've been on a, a therapy journey myself. But the topic that I think we want to kind of just dive into um, that's most relevant to the moment that we're living in is is I guess the relationship and the attachment between um, mental health, our emotional well being. And and this pandemic, and 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 I guess where I wanted to start was, um, you know, what is it about, you know, this scenario that we find ourselves in that you think is that is so unique? It's a it's a really good question, and it's one that I've been asked many times over the last sort of six weeks or so, um, and I, I sort of had two answers really. There are parts of this that are collective experience, so things that we're all going through. Um, and there are parts that are very personal. Um, what's unique, I think, about this for potentially people in, um, in our age group, at least in the UK, is that this is a first of its kind. You know, there hasn't been a health crisis like this in the UK um ever and nothing nothing like this before so um this is this is new territory uh, for us in the UK at least but for 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 global businesses that are facing the challenge of um of their workers being affected by this you know will vary to some extent by region the political um response does have some variation but I want to go back to that point of it being being a very personal thing. Um, let's not forget that people have um, have died, have lost loved ones, um, and at its potentially at its very worst, this will be an experience that will be remembered as a time where someone lost someone very important to them, someone they loved, um, and that is a very profound experience for anyone. Um, and employers do have um, and will have a, um, a duty um, to allow a person to grieve if that is what's happening or that's what's happened for that person. Whilst 
that is on the uh, lesser likelihood range of the spectrum. It is one that I think is important to mention. This, the second thing I think to say is also that the, you know, a, a health crisis, you know, health is something that we, it, certainly in a, in a modern um, society like that of the UK, is something we, we've taken arguably for granted. Um, and suddenly we're faced with some, um, some possibility that we um, might not um, get through this as quickly as we, we thought we would. Um, we've, we've re we're reliant on science and modern medicine um, to get us over many humps in our lives. Um, and this has presented us with a, um, a challenge like no other. Um, that being said, I have faith in the scientific community to develop uh, some degree of um, effective response to this. Um, so, and I, one other thing that I think I'd like to just say is also that the secondary effects of, um, of this is that we've had our liberty taken away from us. And so there, that is a second important point uh, to make. We've had our, uh, our health, our, our ongoing good health has been challenged and our freedom our freedom to socialize with friends, to see our families, um, to work with people closely, to sit next to colleagues, to have a coffee um, in, a, in a cafe when and, when and where we choose. So that has been a, another profound challenge, I think. And I think when you, when you, when you bring this all to a head, the, the, the thing that's overriding a lot of this is, is fear. People are fearful about what this means for them and their futures. Um, and this is occupying a great deal of um, thinking space, I think, now. Um, I don't know if that, that um, if, if um, we can go on from here, Ben, but maybe I'll pause for breath and let you respond. Yeah, no, it's, um, there's so much, there's so much to, to unpack. And I think the thing that I, that I pick, pick out from that is, this is a very unique uh, experience for, for for each individual. Everyone's experiencing things slightly differently. And I've spoken to lots of leaders, people I respect over the last uh, six, seven weeks, some on this podcast. And, you know, that's been, that's been definitely a theme, which is that we're seeing people navigate this in different ways. I think that, the role that work is playing within our lives has also changed. Um, and, you know, there is a, a, a group of society who we're able to work remotely. And because so many other things have been taken away from us, work plays this potentially more prominent role within our week. Um, you know, the, the things that we're able to do on the weekend, evenings, uh, you know, are restricted. And so the role that work plays is, is greater. And so, you know, I, I guess that the point and the question that I'd like to dive into is, is therefore the role that we play as leaders within business, is it the same as before this happened or has it changed? You know, is because work has taken this greater um, segment, this, this greater place within our lives, because of that change, 
does that mean that we as leaders need to be taking more responsibility? And I guess I'm talking specifically in relation to people's mental health. You know, how much responsibility sits on our shoulders in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of everyone's emotional well-being within our business? It's it's a great question, Ben, and what, one that, in terms of responsibility for our team's mental health, has been has been one that has cropped up many times over the years. Um, I think what's happened as a result of this crisis is it has brought social responsibility into sharp focus. Um, And I think from my perspective, at least, if as a leader, um, mental health was something that was perhaps less important for you, I think it, it absolutely needs to be part of a strategy part of a um, people's strategy. Um, And it needs to be one that is um, human and open and makes room for um, people that have suffered materially as a result of this crisis. Um, There will be a period of time both in that where businesses need to adjust uh, and all of the change that that brings will bring responses of a emotional and potentially uh, of an emotional nature. Um, you know, we are um, often creatures that are habit forming. Um, we like to um, exhibit repeated patterns of behavior. We undeniably that in organizations we're structured in such a way that um, for our uh, sort of a, a high level of effectiveness, we put people in jobs where they are performing uh, very often repeating tasks because they're really good at them. Um, and so this could potentially, this sort of crisis will invite people to reflect on that. And I think we need to, as leaders, be, be open to the possibility of change be flexible, listen more, ask questions about well-being and how that is uh, impacting on a person's um, ability to, uh, to thrive, to enjoy their work. I think first and foremost as leaders, our role is to provide safe and purposeful work for people. Um, and I think the response um, for leaders now is is to is to take a long hard look at their mental health strategy to ensure that it you know it really fits with um, a post COVID or let's just say a, a period where we're coming out of the the heavier restrictions that our 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 environments are able to adapt and we are able to change and we're able to acknowledge that actually things will probably be quite different for the foreseeable future mm. it's really interesting so you know i guess in terms of how I, how I kind of unpack that in my head it's you know there's there's a huge amount of pressure on individuals because of the the situation that we find ourselves in as it, as leaders we need to respond and we need to be taking people's mental health seriously we need we need to um you know, have compassion, we need to have empathy, we need to be flexible in what that response looks like. But I guess also as leaders, 
and as people responsible for people within organizations, we too are maybe struggling. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm really fascinated at the moment by the relationship between, you know, as, as, as people responsible for individuals within business, we need to, we need to do more. We need to up our game. We need to be better. We need to spend more time, um, more energy on the people we have in our organizations to make sure that they are being supported through this. Yet, you know, the other side of that coin is we as individuals are probably also struggling as well. And so, you know, more is being asked of us when we're also, you know, having a difficult time of it. I think it's a really important point to make. One thing I would I, I would say that that is so often the case is um, leaders can get more comfortable uh, or challenge themselves to become more comfortable with um, showing vulnerability, showing that actually. Uh, they are having a tough time and showing um, that actually they are able to share with important people in their workplace um, some of the challenges that they face and some of the steps that they are personally taking to overcome those challenges. Um, as we take more personal risk with our colleagues, that relationship deepens. And from my point of view, that is always a really great place to work from. So sharing vulnerability as a leader, admittedly, you know, with um, with some degree of, um, you know, bite-sized bite size chunks, um, I think is a really powerful, um, powerful message. Um, and I think leaders are able, uh, we'll, 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 we'll see, I think, very often in the organizations I've worked with, well, they'll see quite profound changes in people from sharing, um, sharing experiences personally, um, but also um, sharing how they've overcome those experiences or what they're doing in the face of those challenges. So what am I saying? I'm saying that we need to recognize that as leaders, we show people the way by sharing what actions we've taken and the challenges that we're facing personally. And I think that in itself can be such an inspiring thing. Yeah, that's really nice. I really like that. So, you know, we should have a response to this. Um, we should have some kind of policy internally in terms of, you know, how we're thinking about supporting the team. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have to have all the answers. We can show some vulnerability and some openness in terms of the struggles and challenges that we're going through. Is there, a, is there an issue with understanding what is your responsibility when it comes to the team and how they're feeling, you know, their emotional well-being, their mental health, and what isn't? You know, do we have to consider where the line exists for us as people who are responsible for people within organizations? Again, it, it's another one. And and there that there is I've encountered clients in the past where um, th where there has been some fear about um, 
broaching the subject of mental health for fear of actually where that takes them, a sort of a Pandora's box uh, of issues. And, and um, one thing that I often say is that, you know, mental health is going on for everybody all of the time. Just because you bring it up in a work context won't necessarily make it worse, for instance. But I think one important distinction to make is is that in most instances, it is not the, the work of an employer to treat someone with, with mental illness, for instance. Um, I think where you have a duty of, a, of, duty of care as an, an employer um, is to educate teams, is uh, to create the conditions where people feel safe enough to share what's going on for them with colleagues or with leaders. But there needs to be a place where there is a... Uh, a place for to go with this sort of um, this sort of conversation, um, and I think it's also the duty. And I say duty because I feel quite strongly about it. Actually, I think it's a, there's a duty to for an employer to you know to make sure that the options are clear. That if there is an issue, some businesses have a have a an EAP scheme. Um, some businesses don't, and, and they use other means. Um, if there is a you know a more uh, chronic or long-standing mental health issue, that there is a clear signpost as to where to go, if that's available. Um, and I think one thing that we've worked out in this crisis is the is the NHS is a really important part of our society, and so um, if there isn't a, an EAP or sort of on-site service for um, for that person, um, then there should be a um, a clear culture that actually um, getting seen by a GP for onward referral if there is an issue um, is something that um, the, the company would stand behind. But let's also not forget that you know mental health is is not necessarily just about waiting for something to, to happen or for something to go wrong. I think an awful lot of, um, of, 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 of creating the conditions for good mental health at work um, can really put a hard stop on some of the milder um, issues that crop up. Um, one thing that I have noticed that is in workplace issues that come up is, is how profound really good quality feedback can be for somebody in their positive mental health. You know, the way you stood up and presented there was was fantastic, um, or that that report that you wrote um, really, you know, had some important points to make. Really great feedback really feeds into um, a person's mental health, and I think it's important to note to know that actually, as an employer, as a manager, we have a very powerful impact on someone's well-being. Um, I know from personal experience. Um, you know, when I was talking to my employer, this is many years ago now, um, I walked into my then boss's office and, and said, um, I've been di diagnosed, this is two weeks after being diagnosed rather, and he said, do you know what I tell you, people about you, Rob? That you've lost your mojo. And, and I remember thinking um, that he couldn't have been more wrong. Um, 
and how I wasn't actually recognized as, as someone who was actually struggling with, um, struggling in, and in difficulty and, and in need of someone um, who could recognize that. So what I'm saying is, is, to, is to really know that your power as a manager in this sort of um, post-COVID or during the adjustment period is going to be very pronounced and the impact you make will be very pronounced, yeah. And do you, do you think, you know, just touching back on what you said there, do you think we've seen a cultural shift in terms of how people view mental health within the workplace? I think it's sectoral and that the, the, there are many different cross-sections of, um, um, of, of ways to sort of subdivide organisations. I think it's generational, it's sectoral, but I would say if I was to land one side of the coin or the other, I would say yes. I think um, mental health is, is um, you know, is, is, is much more on the agenda than really it ever has been. Um, but I think what, what, what it looks like for any organisation is, is actually potentially quite different. Um, some people do anything from ordering a takeout lunch on a Friday afternoon to, to get the team together to eat and talk and um, as, a, as a sort of like a positive step, whereas others um, like organisations we work with, you know, actually invite, um, you know, a, um, a therapist coach. Uh, I long stopped making that a clear distinction for workplace work, but um, on site to work with individuals, um, you know, if it, and it's just a drop in that might well be just sort of shaking off the day to talking about, you know, something, um, a relationship issue or potentially a managerial issue or, but it just takes the, the charge out of uh, the issue for that person. Mm. If, if I'm a, you know, I'm a small business owner and I haven't thought about some kind of mental health policy or any support in relation to you know, our team members, how they're feeling, where they're at, uh, you know, emotionally, you know, is now the time to start? Or do you think that there's, there might be some people that look at that quite cynically, which is like, you didn't care about this before COVID happened. And so you're only doing this because of the pandemic. Or do you think that, you know, any positive support, any positive steps, and in fact, maybe people being pushed into action is, is a really good thing? I think there's, I think there's always room, uh, should always be room in an organisation of any size to have uh, a, an open discussion about um, how that person's doing, how that person's faring, Are being, you know, we're we're human, and to ask another human how they're doing, you know, doesn't necessarily even need to be a mental health intervention, but to to ask them how they're doing, how they're coping, um, without actually necessarily taking any steps. Some of the most powerful things you can do as a, as a, as a coach or as a psychotherapist is to just validate what that person said, is to know that that person has, has, uh, has felt heard, has felt able to say, okay, well, someone else knows about what I'm going through. I don't have to just manage it all on my own. So in, in short, I think there's some very, um, zero cost things small companies can do which is create a culture a space time limited potentially um 
um, about you know where you can have a, a safe conversation about what's going what's going on for the team, and then ask the team ask the team about what um, you know what can we do within the realms of our resources. So there might be people listening at home thinking, you know, what is a, a podcast that's supposedly about culture doing talking about mental health? And I think, you know, that goes to a lot of our thinking in terms of understanding what drives culture. And one of the things that we talk about is policies and the way that you work within your organization is one of the ingredients uh, in the recipe in creating culture and creating a, a positive um, and, and, and adding culture, a culture that makes people in the room better. And, and so, you know, it makes a lot of sense for us to finish in a, in a kind of really tangible way. So, Robert, what are the things that you would advise me or, you know, another small business owner sitting next to me that we should be looking out for when it comes to our team's mental health? Uh, what you know? What are the what are the things that we should have in the back of our head that we should be uh, keeping an eye out for during what is a super tough time for everyone? I think there's some really easy steps that uh, any leader can take. One is ask your team how are they coping, how are you doing, what's going on for you. Um, Second of all, as we, we spoke a little bit about today, is as leaders, I think we are, um, we need to show that we are able and willing um, to address our personal or our own mental health and to, to talk about that uh, to some extent, to the extent that you're happy to do so uh, with our team so that they feel uh, able to take some risks and share whatever it is is going on for uh, for themselves. But I think the the, the 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 really important principle here is if you are looking after yourself as a leader, if you are taking the steps that you need to support yourself, then I think that comes through in you know in in a really powerful way. Um, it comes through in those sort of serendipitous conversations you know, by the coffee machine or. Uh, or by um, virtual means, as we are faced with these, the you know, in, in this environment, you know, is is to make sure that you're looking after yourself. You know, if you get your own, look after your own personal well-being, then I think you are ideally positioned to help others in your organisation. What a what an awesome summary! So, um, make sure you ask your team how are they coping. Open up about your own mental health and the struggles that, that, that you're finding. And, and lastly, make sure you're looking after yourself. You know, there's that great concept, isn't there, which is that if, if you don't look after yourself, you can't help anybody else. And st so anything like this, um, it starts at home. It starts with you. Um, I've got to wrap us up today, but I need to say a big thank you to Robert for joining us today. Uh, thank you, Robert. Thanks for having me, Ben. Yeah, that was great. I really am. Um, I really enjoyed it and I hope you did too. I um, I need to thank Mel, our producer, from behind some virtual glass somewhere uh, for keeping uh, the show on the road and for making sure we put out great content each and every week. So all of you listening along at home, we hope you're safe, I hope you're looking after yourselves and that you're being kind to yourselves. 
Remember, if there's an issue you'd like us to discuss, drop us a line. I'm at Gately on Twitter, and we're at Join Charlie on Twitter. We look forward to seeing you again next week. I've been Ben Branson Gately, your host, and this has been the Culture Ops Podcast.